Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Cowboys Chat with Shap. My name is Zach Shaphorst. With me is Vinny Tadaro, and uh, we're going to continue on our uh, our theme from last week and talk about some more Cowboys drafts. This uh, this time we'll talk about the most recent three drafts after talking about uh, 2016 through 18 on the last show. But uh, as always, we'll start off with a trivia question. Uh, this week it is my turn to ask the question. So uh, this Dallas Cowboy player was a defensive lineman and he was drafted or he was <laughs> he started his career with the Dallas Cowboys coming out of Hofstra University. Oh. No, I have no idea. Okay. Um, let's see. He, uh, He was hmm, he's best friends with another Dallas Cowboy, Jason Hatcher, and both of them had similar trajectory from Cowboys to the Washington Redskins. No. Hmm. Uh, no. Yeah, that's. Uh, give you one more hint. He ended his career with the New York Jets. No, so I, I could have switched those. That was less helpful than the second one. Uh, Stephen Bowen. Oh yeah, you remember him? Yeah. He was. Uh, he actually did a little. Washington kind of signed him for. A decent chunk of change, considering he'd never really done that much. He, he didn't really start at all yeah. for the Cowboys, um, but he actually he had one good year with with them, where he had six sacks, and then other than that, he was kind of yeah, not not a uh, a huge contributor in uh, in either Dallas or Washington. Um, speaking of non-contributing defensive linemen let's uh start off with the 2019 nfl draft um so this was the year that we didn't have a first round draft pick so i was definitely going in less uh, probably a little less gung-ho than i usually am to like dive into the the prospects but by the time draft rolled around i I had, you know, researched a fair amount of, you know, players in the late first to second round range. And I remember very vividly that there were, you know, this is a team that ended the season losing to the, uh, you know, the Los Angeles. Yeah, it was Los Angeles by then. The Rams where we got, you know, gutted in the running game. But for the most part, we had a, we had a, uh, good defense that year it, it appeared um, and you know the we just didn't show it in that particular game but um, 
we we didn't have great we had decent cornerback play that was Byron Jones and Chidobe Wuzier, uh, but our our safeties were not great. And in this particular draft, there were a lot of safeties that I thought would have been great values if they were available at where we were picking in in the fifties. I forget the exact spot. Um, and in fact, three of them. Juan Thornhill, Taylor Rapp, and Chauncey Gardner Johnson were available. I was, I would have been surprised. I, I was would have been happy with any of those three, and all three of them fell. All three of those guys were productive in college. I think Gardner, uh, Gardner Johnson and Juan Thornhill were great testers as well. Like they ran fast, they jumped high, all that. Um, and Taylor Rapp ran kind of a slow 40, so that I wasn't super surprised that he fell. But the, the guy that I liked the most was Juan Thornhill. He was, for a second rounder, I thought he was about as, as clean a prospect as you're going to get with both the on-field play combined with the, um, combined with the uh, athleticism. And yet... The day of the draft, I, I remember seeing someone talking about this guy, Tristan Hill, and they there had been mumblings about that throughout, and he was a guy that I would have been happy with as a fourth-round pick, but he, he was a dude that did not have good on-field play. He tested pretty well, I'll give him that, but he went to this dinky little college, Florida Atlantic, and he didn't even start his last year and and blame it on off-field stuff or whatever the bottom line is he didn't start and even when he did play he didn't play that well and for a guy that you're drafting that range you've got to be dominating that level of competition so when we ended up taking him i was about as pissed off as I've been for any Cowboys pick. I, I think Ezekiel Elliott and Anthony Spencer back in the day were two where I, I was maybe as mad. I don't know, though. This this one, with the three guys on the board that I really liked, this one was up there for one of the, the worst picks, in my opinion. Um, and now, in fairness, after that, it, it's kind of especially, you know, as years have gone by, it's turned out to be not a terrible draft after that point. Uh, Tristan Hill is definitely, I, I would say, of these drafts that we're analyzing, I, I'd say he was probably the biggest swing and a miss. Because even though Ezekiel Elliott, we could have had Jalen Ramsey, Ezekiel Elliott's been a productive player. You know, say what, what you want about him. Tristan Hill has been just a complete not. I mean, the, I guess Taco Charlton would be the only other guy you could say is is had as little of an impact on the football field of, of our top picks. But um, yeah, but after him, I mean, there. I think um, I think Connor McGovern was next. You know, it's still. Uh, you know, he played a little bit last year, and, and he did. He was okay. I think he would be a decent guard if if we gave him a if we uh, if we started him for a third round pick. I'd say that's you know a decent 
pick so far. Really, the the big home run I would say, or the two two big home runs were Tony Pollard in the fourth round, which exactly how you should approach the running back position. By the way, Tony Pollard in the fourth round is why you don't spend the fourth overall pick on a running back. But I digress. And then Donovan Wilson in the sixth round. That's that's been a very sneaky pick. One of one of our better late round picks. We, we've had a, a couple good ones in the sixth round um, in these drafts. But overall, uh, because of that first pick, it, it was kind of a, a disappointing draft. But some of those other players, um, and especially if Tony Pollard can can get some more snaps. And Connor, if Connor McGovern can develop into a starter, um, it could be a actually a pretty decent draft class. I think the year after we had made that, we had done that draft, it seemed like it was going to be a complete and utter failure. Um, but it's getting better as the years go by. I think. Um, what were your memories from that draft, Vinny? Yeah, I. I don't remember much from that draft. Uh, I don't know if I watched. If I, I might have missed the first round. I might have been in transit to a place, uh, to a restaurant or something. Um, but I don't remember my reaction to the Tristan Hill pick. I do remember, you know, going over it later and not being impressed by it. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I was impressed by the, you know, the entire draft. Yeah. Um, it, it just wasn't, you know, especially with no first round pick. Um, it wasn't a very inspiring draft. Yeah. And, I mean, with the... <clears throat> I'm sure we'll get into this more later in the off season, but um, the rumors of Amari Cooper uh, potentially being a trade or, or cap casualty, that <laughs> him being that first-round pick definitely comes back into play, and it looks like a much worse overall haul if you I mean if you can trade him for a first that's you know at least kind of a wash but if if you end up cutting him I think that looks a lot worse as a just overall team building I I hope we don't but we'll see um but yeah so then moving on to 2020 this is a draft that we did I think live on the podcast. I mean, I just, I, I, I just say the one thing, you know, looking, you know, mm-hmm. in retrospect on that draft, you know, Donovan Wilson is an okay player. He's nothing great. Yeah. Um, they were wise to, you know, upgrade with uh, Curse and Casey. Uh, Pony Tony Pollard, great pick. Yep. Yeah. Great pick there, and he, you know, he's a guy who needs to touch the ball more, especially in important situations. But, you know, he's not getting it because he doesn't have the big contract and he doesn't sell the jerseys that Ezekiel Elliott does. Yeah. You know, either that or the, you know, these, those are the real reasons. They might have convinced yeah. themselves that Elliott's a better back, but he's not. Right. Yeah, and, and there's, I think, uh, I don't know how much this is generated from the team or, or just fans, but the the thing i see a lot is you know he doesn't he's not capable of carrying the load he never was asked to do that in college and i mean that's you can't really definitively say no but every time they have asked him to you know against san francisco the year prior 
that was his one feature game and he held up fine in that one um so who knows i i highly doubt that he's incapable of at least touching it you know 10 times a game and, and as i think i've pointed out before it's, it seems like the the games where we really need him to be getting more touches are the ones where our run blocking is not as good and we need a running back who can create after contact better than ezekiel elliott and the opposite is what we're actually doing. We're giving Zeke a higher percentage of carry. We're doing less overall runs in these games, but a higher percentage of them are going to Zeke, and that just compounds the issue. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Pollard right now looks like the one kind of home run of a pick there. Donovan Wilson, yeah, I mean, he, he looked very good in 2020. Last year was okay. Still a good pick for the sixth round, but yeah, not a guy that you're, you know, jumping over, head over heels about. Um, then jumping in 2020, this is the first draft I think we did while on the, uh, well, we did on, on air, and we did obviously quite a lot of podcasts leading up to it. Um, I still remember... <laughs> We did a mock draft uh, going into the draft, and it ended up, you know, it seemed like a good draft at the time, but it ended up being, like, very, very much worse than what ended up happening. Like, the the true way the draft board fell was about as ideal as, as possible. And um, my guy, you know, a couple of the guys that I really liked going to that draft, I remember, were... Christian Fulton was probably my favorite guy, and I liked him at the time as a, as a potential 17th overall pick. There were a lot of corners in that draft, including Trayvon Diggs and, and Christian Fulton, who I think, uh, Jalen Johnson, another one, who I, I liked kind of as a late first-round pick better than 17th overall. So I think in an ideal wor- world, I would have traded down a little bit to take one of those guys. But I I certainly viewed all of them, uh, I think really as those guys and maybe like Jeff Gladney as, you know, f- late first round talents. Um, and, and I remember like going un- into the draft, we did say like, you know, here are the like blue chip guys. And, and obviously if, somehow one of these guys falls then you, you take him if you have jerry judy or cd lamb uh so it was something that we kind of talked about but it was like it was kind of obvious and it was like fairly far-fetched um and then obviously cd lamb it, it looked like both of them were going to drop to us i think judy got snatched maybe two picks before us um and then the Falcons could have taken CeeDee Lamb and they took A.J. Terrell instead, which sneakily, I, I thought that was a horrible pick at the time, but sneakily he's turned into one of the better cornerbacks in that class. I think he had maybe the best season out of anyone last year. But yeah, CeeDee Lamb there at 17, that seemed like a no-brainer. I still thought, I, I very vividly remember thinking that we were going to still mess this up and we were going to pick Caleb on chase on who was a guy that I didn't like because he was a 
very you know twitchy athletic guy who had really no track record of actually playing good football um and luckily we did not take him and and by the way he has really not done anything in the nfl i think he's been on the jaguars and uh lucky him yeah yeah um but yeah so cd lamb i mean i don't know what would you say how, how do you feel cd lamb has done compared to expectations um I mean, I think C. Lamb has largely met expectations. You know, I thought that this, I I was expecting a little bit more out of him this year. Yeah. Um, He was kind of quiet. He didn't make a lot of splash plays. So I'm hoping for him to take a step forward uh, next season. Yeah. Um, Henry Ruggs, we know the Henry Ruggs story. Jerry Judy, you know, he's done all okay in Denver. Uh, the yeah, guy no one so far has been Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, like, Justin Jefferson, like, no one, no one thought Justin Jefferson was the best receiver in that draft. I think that's a very much, like, hindsight 2020 look, you know, suggesting that we should have taken Justin Jefferson. Um and and a big part of it was, I, I think the the takeaway from that pick maybe is that he he really just played slot receiver in college, and you know the thought was okay, well that's all he can do, and just because he was never asked to play outside doesn't necessarily mean that he he couldn't do it, and he showed that obviously in the NFL, but. Um, yeah, I mean, what I remember about this is it was CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, 1A, 1B, and then a clear next tier. And in that tier, you, you could, you know, in some order of Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, and Henry Ruggs. Um, but I don't remember anyone who was like, oh, yeah, Justin Jefferson's clearly the best guy in this in right. this class. Or, or even, like, clearly that much better than Jalen Rager, who's been, right. you know, a total wa- uh, bust so far. So, I – so, yes, J- Justin Jefferson's unquestionably been the best so far. But, um, I, you know, I, that's not one that I'm, you know, going to blame the team for. Um but yeah, I, I agree. See, Lamb. It's hard to say he hasn't met expectations, and and especially, I mean, where we ended up taking him in the middle of the first round, I think you have to say he's met expectations for that. The question is where he was, where he should have gone. The the pre-draft perception that he was this. Basically, I, I took him as a guy who was like. He didn't test that well, and it didn't matter because that's how good he was. That's how good his tape was in college. Um, he, it, I, I definitely expected more of a yards after catch uh, receiver. He's showed little flashes of that, but nothing like that wows you, which he did yeah. in college. So that's that's I think the expectation part where maybe he's fallen a little short is. 
a guy that should have gone probably top six or seven, not the guy that ended up going 17th. Um, but still, you know, that was the right pick, I think, then and, and still. Oh, yeah, now. that was a no-brainer. Yeah. Then, I mean, that was luck. Yeah. Yeah, very much. I, I, I'm curious who we would have gone. I, I think we probably would have gone Caleb on Chase on if the, you know, say the Falcons had taken C.D. Lamb, and that would have probably not gone so well. Um, but we got we got C. Lamb. Then the second round pick we got was Trayvon Diggs, um, which again I had him as a, a late first type of player. I did. I would have taken Christian Fulton over Trayvon Diggs, but I I did think that signaled a specific type of defensive scheme and I was okay with it because of that I I felt like you know maybe Mike Nolan is you know trying to draft especially when combined with one of my least favorite picks but another another long cornerback kind of a ball hawk later um so there's clearly a type, at least it seemed like at the time, There's it looked like there was a type we were going after um, the, the season we ended up having. It, who knows what Mike Nolan was thinking, if anything. Um, but no, I mean, you got to be, even with the yards given up, the penalties, you've got to be happy with Trayvon Diggs right now. I, I actually think Christian Fulton probably was a little stickier in coverage this year, but Trayvon Diggs his ability to take the ball away over or take the ball away. And he's shut down some very good receivers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think some of those have been like Mike Evans. That was the first game of the year. I think that that's a fair analysis. Uh, Definitely Devontae Smith, the first Eagles game. There were definitely some games where I like the Vikings is, is the one that I think of, especially where he was getting beat by Justin Jefferson, and then they just kind of stopped throwing him the ball. Um, I, I think he's got he's got a ways to go in in coverage, but I mean the interceptions those. It, I don't think it's sustainable, but I do think he'll be a plus interception guy consistently. And if he can just get a little better, a little more disciplined in coverage, that that's really, I think, what it comes down to. He, he's very instinctual, and there's a certain level of that that you want for him to continue getting interceptions, but he definitely you know, takes it too far sometimes. But again, I'd, I'd say overall that's that's you know that was the right pick at at the time, and that's that's turned out well. I, I think he's gonna be he's gonna be an interesting guy once he's coming up for a new contract. I feel like he is he's a guy that a lot of our fans are higher on because of the interceptions than that I am certainly. Um, but again, I mean, if he can get ten interceptions a year, which no one has done, like really since the fifties, that output it, you'll take the the bad because those interceptions are so valuable in right. 
shaping the outcome of the game that it really takes a lot to outweigh those. The, the problem is when you don't get them and you're still giving up, you know, 70 yards a game and averaging a penalty, uh, you know, most games, that's, that's a problem. Um, but yeah, Trayvon Diggs, you know, wasn't, wasn't the guy I would have taken, but I was pretty happy with that pick at the time. And, and so far have been pretty happy with it. Um, then you got Neville Gallimore, who was your guy. I, I liked similar situation where I liked the position. There was a guy I liked better, Jordan Elliott, but Neville Gallimore, um, he, the, the year after we took Tristan Hill, like, and, you know, this most recent draft we'll talk about, the other defensive tackle, like Neville Gallimore to me was, I, I didn't honestly didn't know a ton about him before we took him, but looking at his, you know, his profile, he was more productive than Tristan Hill, clearly had a better, like, you know, head on his shoulders than Tristan Hill was just a guy that busted his ass and, and was a, you know, just a, a guy with a nonstop motor, um, tested probably not quite as well, but not too far off. Um, and I would say he's without question been when he's on, when he's been healthy, at least has been a better player than Tristan Hill. Um, and I think he's been better than Jordan Elliott. Uh, um, so I will, uh, I will say, I think that was the, the right pick as well. Um, what, what were some of the things you liked about Gallimore? Because I remember you really liked that pick. Well, he got good write-ups in what I wrote and what I read. And to be honest with you, I've been disappointed with him. Yeah. Uh, I don't think, you know, he showed some flashes his rookie season. This year I expected more. He missed a lot of time with the injury. When he came back, he didn't really do much. So he's somebody that's got a lot to prove. Yeah. He's somebody I'm disappointed in. Yeah. And, you know, they definitely have to you know, they definitely have to fix that defensive tackle position. I don't want to hear all this about the cap, you know. Um, they've got to learn, they've got to find a way to improve certain positions on this football team without letting other positions go backwards. And um, for all the talk about how frugal they are and how wise they are, now they're in a situation where they're quite a bit over the cap and they've got quite a few free agents. So we're finding out, you know, more, again, more media hype about the Dallas Cowboys. Yep. Same old, same old situation. Now, the question is, are they going to be able to make adjustments to give themselves the leeway to re-sign who they need to re-sign and to bring in some other players? So what we're, this is, I think, really telling here. I, I think that they're in a lot of trouble. Yeah. I mean, they can definitely free up the cap space if they need it. Um, the, the question is, which players do you want long-term, and, and which players, once you, once you know that, and, and re, well, really the question is, which highly paid players do you want long-term? Obviously, Dak is one. They've already restructured his contract, but um, you got to look at the top tier O lineman. You got to look at Mari Cooper, who right now it's looking shaky. But you know, Demarcus. They can't, they can't let any. They can't 
talent leave. They're not that good. You know, they yeah. can't let Amari Cooper or Mike, and Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson. I don't think they'll they'll let all three of them go. I I would I could see I could see Cooper leaving and then them signing no. Gallup and Cedric Wilson. What about Dalton Schultz? He can't go. Schultz. So so he's Schultz. He's a sixth ranked tech, tech, tight end in the league, and he's on the yeah. rise. You he was. I think. I think he was like third in PFF wins above replacement last year. Um, but he's he's a guy. I I hadn't thought of this, but he's a guy we might use the ta- the franchise tag on. I could see that um, because tight end is is kind of a undervalued position, so it wouldn't cost us an arm and a leg. Um, actually, I'm gonna look up. Um. So that that's something I could, see. but yeah, I, I would say, you know, if if Cooper leaves, then I would expect all three of those guys to to be. Eh, it's like eleven million. That that's that's not that's, bad. It's not bad, but it's. I feel like we could get him on a long term deal for that amount, and that would help with the cap more. So you might as well just do that. Um. I'm just I'm thinking more and more Demarcus Lawrence has to go. Yeah, maybe. But I'm, I'm hesitant to talk I about think... the cap because it's very complicated and nobody in the media understands it or explains it. Right. Yeah. Well, let's let's finish up with this one draft. Um, <laughs> the next pick was, I think, just about everyone saw this coming as a bad pick. Reggie Robinson from oh, Tulsa. God. <laughs> A guy that did not play well at again, same as with the Tristan Hill pick, played at Tulsa and didn't play very well. Like he had a few interceptions. That's about it. Um, and he he hadn't he hasn't done anything. What I will say about Reggie Wilson is at least or Reggie Robinson, at least we dug him the fourth round and not the second round. That that's no, the kind of no. guy. Look, no, no. It was a big mistake because that should have been Tyler Biotish. Instead, they needed to trade back in to the fourth round to pick up Tyler Biotish. So it was a double whammy. Yeah, but not as bad as Tristan Hill is is what I'm saying. That type of player, um, I think the fourth round is more... But yeah, no, I I hated that pick at the time and objectively was the worst pick of that of that otherwise good draft then we trade up we pick Tyler Biotish which that was probably yeah I I think that was my favorite pick after CeeDee Lamb because I had him as like a second round maybe early third round type of player we got him at the bottom of fourth and he's a guy I mean a lot of I think a lot of people are are very eager to cut bait with him and un- there's no question he was the weakest link of our o-line this last year when everyone's healthy but you could do worse than t- tyler biotish I-, I think he was better than joe looney um at- at this last year at least and he clearly got better compared to his rookie year and oh offensive line is a and i just want i, I yeah, just want to say I just want to say something. Yeah, Tyler Biotish is good. He needs to get better, and I think he will. 
I think he's going to develop into a very good center. Yeah. Uh, I don't like all this talk that I hear about replacing him in this draft. I think that would be foolish. They have too many other needs. They basically yeah. have no linebackers because Michael yeah. Parsons, you got to play him at edge rush. Right. I mean, you, you know, you can play, you can move him around, but he's anybody who can rush the pass like that needs to be considered an edge rusher. Yep. All right. You can't just leave him at middle linebacker. So they really have no linebacking core right now. Um, and that was a huge problem for this week. Whenever Micah Parsons wasn't playing linebacker, their linebacking core was poor. Yep. Leighton Van Der Esch and Keanu Neal blows chunks. Yeah. Okay? So that was a big part of the problem with this defense. And, and kudos to the, the coordinator for covering it up as well as he did. Because yep. he really just didn't really have any talent at linebacker. Um, but the Reggie Robinson pick, I mean, we really got to hold Will McClay uh, – Put his feet to the fire for that one because that was just atrocious. Yeah, it wasn't just. It, sometimes you sometimes you can make picks and you say, okay, well, yeah, it's not what I would do, but it's not it's reasonable. That was not a reasonable pick. No, no, and that that was just st- saying the stage for the next year uh, guy that they took, which we'll talk about. I feel like those are like the the married picks together where you're like. You're just drooling over what you think this this guy could be, and and you know maybe they got some interceptions in college, and you ignore the fact that they're just completely not a football player, not not actually good at the position that you want them to play. Um, and yeah, that was that was a bad one. But yeah, Tyler Biotish, I I will say this. I, I don't want to get too far into future drafts there's one guy in this upcoming draft that i would take as much as i think biotish will get better there's a guy that um named tyler lindbaum who i think is basically too good to pass up i don't think he should be there when we're drafting but if he is i would the very least consider it but yeah biotish you know at at the moment i think he's an average center and i think offensive line is a position group that tends to get better over time and and he's already shown you know that ability from year one to year two so no reason to think he won't continue that trend then wrapping up we got bradley and nye who never really i think i thought that was an okay pick for where we got him and he just kind of never really got a chance and then ben denucci who <laughs> kind of a kind of a joke in the one game he played at, and in preseason too. He, he's looked and in hard knocks. I, I I don't know if there's anyone who looked less impressive than him. Just seemed like they would have been better off keeping Mike White. Yeah, yeah, Mike White did better in uh, New York than than Danucci has done in preseason or regular season. But, but but our lummox of a coach wants to keep him around. Yep. Yeah, he's still he's still kicking. But I, I'm all for drafting project quarterbacks in the sixth or seventh round, but you gotta know when to cut bait. And yeah. this is, is definitely past the point of of that. But he's only on the practice squad. At least he's not taking up a roster spot. Yeah, that is you true. know, um, we're still trying to figure out who Will Greer is. Yeah, yeah. I remember him coming out, um, but yeah, yeah, I don't know if he's if he's got it. 
but um, but yeah, so that was that was the 2020 draft. Very good draft overall. I, I thought so at the time. Still looks to be one of our better drafts. Um, and then you look at this most recent draft, where again got lots of uh, lots of tape of us <laughs> predicting and. and giving our guys so I don't want to go too far into it but I was big on Patrick Sertan in this one I thought he would would be be available at 10 and would yeah, be a great I thought one of them would be yeah. great draft pick yeah I like they him got lucky a lot. again yep and, and I will say I I thought I did think Mike Parsons was the one blue chip defensive player in this draft. This, this was, and, and it's interesting. I, you know, I've done a little bit of research into this new, this uh, upcoming draft class. It's like the complete opposite in terms of defensive talent, or, or at least perceived defensive talent. I, I, obviously, Parsons is better than I think even anyone could have projected as good as he was expected to be. He fell to 12. Um, If you thought he was the next Lawrence Taylor, you're taking him, you know, top two or three. This upcoming draft class, it's very possible you could see the first, like, four picks on defense. um, And the first 10 picks, it's like literally, it's all O linemen and defensive linemen, or, and defensive players. It's very odd in that Well, that's good for us because we need, we need a new left tackle. Yeah, well, I, don't, I think the top left tackles will be long gone, but there there will be some guys, decent values when we come picking, I, I think. But um, but no, I, I thought, I did think Mike Parsons was the, tr- the only true blue chip prospect. I, I didn't think, as much as I liked Patrick Sertan, I didn't think he was, you know, twitchy enough as an athlete he wasn't like a freak athlete just just a very good athlete and very good tape but Parsons had it all he was a beast as a player he tested out better than anybody expected yes and and it is because he no one could have predicted that he could rush the passer that well as an edge rusher like yes he was expected to be a very good blitz linebacker but yeah, I mean he had the, he had the athleticism. I think anyone could have seen that, but that there's so much more than just that to yeah. playing a completely different position, and, and that's the the thing no one could have projected, and, and that made it a, a you know a phenomenal pick. And and I think you got to give Dan Quinn a lot of credit. I, I don't know if every single coach out there would have maximized Parsons the way that Dan Quinn did. Um, and, and I remember, like, when we – what was the situation? I think Demarcus Lawrence got hurt the week one, and, Greg, and Randy Gregory was suspended or – Oh, it's injured, always something with Gregory. Something with Gregory. So we had literally no one to rush the passer week two. And it's one of those things where, like, it seems obvious, but you don't expect – I didn't at least expect the coaches to – Put it together like hey let's try this our first round pick who has freak athletic ability and was great blitzing let's try him at edge rusher and to their credit they did and you know the rest is is history and, and i really do hope they 
at least play him the majority of the time at defensive end uh, or at you know three four outside. Yeah. Oh, I doing. think you have to. Yeah. I think Just you have to. So much more valuable playing that than at at linebacker. It's just a more. It's a more something that's more consistent. Right. Even if he was a, a phenomenal coverage guy, which he's shown some flashes of that, and and I don't think you completely take him out of that, but he's he's a he graded as well as Aaron Donald as a pass rusher this year, and, and no one has touched that. Aaron Donald has been the guy as pass rusher for the past seven years, and. and Mike Parsons instantly tied him. Like that's that's ridiculous, and he's never he's never played the position. This is he's still let's not, raw. Let's not waste his career then, like we yeah. have done so many other players. Okay, let's let's do something with the salary cap, even if it means mortgaging yeah. a year in the future. Let's do something. The time is now. Don't let as much talent go as it seems they're going to. Yeah. Okay, it seems they're going to make let go of some quality players, and they just cannot let go of that that many of them. They, yeah. they can't go into this thinking they're so talented. They need to be able to make some moves in free agency. Nothing huge, but they need to make up some make some moves, and they need to keep most of the talent that they yeah. have. They can you know, I I got no problem with Connor Williams going. Leighton Vander Esch, okay, but you know you're looking at they got to keep either Gallup or Cedric Wilson. Yeah. You know, and they got to keep Amari Cooper. I don't think they're going to be able to trade Amari Cooper, right? Yeah. The only thing, the only thing that only only place where I'm willing to cut a talented player, let a talented player go. It, because of the salary cap is Demarcus Lawrence, and that's because he's not worth twenty million dollars a year, and his, their defense was not that much better with him than it was without him. All right, and they could use that money to keep uh, two or three other guys. Yeah. So I think that's the that's the only place that I'm really willing to budge. I don't want to let Amari Cooper go. You know, I don't want to let both Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson go, but. From what I see, they're in a really tough spot, and they're going to bleed. And I'd be really upset if they let Dalton Schultz go. Yeah. But, you know, from from what I can tell, they've really dug themselves a hole. You know, yeah. that's the fiscal, brilliant fiscal management of Stephen Jones. <laughs> that's all we've heard about. Yeah. I'll sign yeah. all these guys to one-year deals. Yeah. And, well, you're still way over the cap, you right. know, because he made some stupid decisions you know, with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. Neither of whom should be on the team. Yeah, and Ezekiel Elliott, I think more, more so. But yeah, and I mean, looking at the, the rest of the guys. So Mike Parsons, obviously, home run pick. After that, there's really not a whole lot in this last draft class, at least that showed on the field. My, my guy Oso Digizua. I think we've we've talked about this quite a bit. He. he Showed up early and then kind of hit a wall and and well he might be ha- good he yeah same as Gallimore I think he he might be good um, more more promise than Tristan Hill but not a guy that you want to you know put all your faith in um, Kelvin old boss man fat uh, 
he he played a little at the end of the year and and he looked fine but so few snaps you can't really say anything i will say a guy that i didn't love when we drafted him but he did yeah yep chauncey goldston i i think he can replace dorrance armstrong who seems to be out dorrance armstrong go yeah i can live i can live without him um especially if Golston can take a step up. Of course, it all depends on what he gets offered. Sure. If some team it, wants to do a Jeremy Purnell, then let him go. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, if we could get Armstrong for like three or four million a year, I think you'd take that. But I'm, I'm expecting someone to give him probably like six or seven million a year, which I don't I don't think I would do that. Um, the, the guy... I'm, I think both of us really liked, and I am, you know, confident that he can at least hold up one of the linebacker spots is Jabril Cox. Yes, he will. Yeah, I, I think that that was one of the more disappointing injuries of this last season. Um, but yeah, I, I think he's he's an instant upgrade over the guys that we have had last year outside of Micah Parsons. Um, better in coverage than anyone we had and you know at least decent enough in the running game um, yeah I mean Josh Ball total wild card there again offensive linemen you know they do tend to get better over time so maybe he can develop yeah I'm, no, I'm inside and the outside yeah I'm, I'm guessing he's a uh, a year or two away from Max. What happened to him this year? I mean, I don't think he did anything. I, I don't know if he was hurt or if he just was... Uh, I, I don't know. But he... Yeah, he did absolutely nothing. I will say, outside of him, pretty much everyone else that we drafted at least got some playing time, which, yeah. is, which is something. Um, not a lot of significant playing time but definitely you know Digizua and Golston they I think did the most Quinton Bohanna the defensive tackle he got a lot of snaps not a lot of good snaps though um as much as I like that we draft a big fat guy he is that's kind of all he is it seems like um was not particularly impressed. Although he's a six-round pick, who, who knows? Maybe he'll get better. Um, actually, one of the guys that I'm uh, didn't get a ton of snaps, but played pretty well when he did is is Matt Farniok. Yeah, he's a guy that I would at least I would at least sure, consider him as your well, yeah, backup center or even I'd give him a shot to compete for left guard. Um, you know, I wouldn't put put all my eggs in that basket but uh, yeah i would would give him give him a chance at least um but yeah overall i I think it's too early to say about this draft the the one thing i will reiterate is that nation wright was a disastrous pick um we could have gotten him in the sixth round and as much as the the cowboys media desperately tried to make it seem like he was the, uh, you know, the second coming of Deion Sanders in the, in the the padless training camp, he didn't do anything in the regular season, and 
you know, who who should be no one should be surprised by that. That was that was I think worse than the Patrick or uh, Reggie Robinson pick. They they were close, but like I said, they're kind of like one A one B of because they're very similar, but kind of equally. Ray, Reggie Robinson I think was like he was like a sixth round talent that we took in the fourth round this guy shouldn't have even been he was a borderline draftable player we got him in the third round um yeah that that was and i mean we changed like i, I guess you gotta say will mcclay is the one kind will mcclay and the joneses are the one constant because we had defend different defensive coordinators for each pick so you can't put it all on them but other than him, I, you know, and, and who knows? Maybe he develops. Maybe I'm eating my words at some point. I don't think I am because gener- generally when I've been really opposed to a pick, it's for good reason, um, at least lately. But we'll see. But other than him, I think everyone else is, you know, kind of the jury's out. Um, and I, I like... I really like Jabril Cox. I really like Odigizua, and I think Golston can be a a decent third rusher. Um, oh, they gotta they gotta the take. Wilson. They need two starting defensive tackles, uh, yeah. and they need to get one in free agency, and they need to get one in the draft. I've already got my draft board made up, um, yeah. and I always start this way. I start um, by by uh, basically by need. Yeah, and I've got them taking a left tackle, and this is the ideal. And then you work from here because I'm very big on taking the best player possible while keeping need in mind. Okay, right. so um, I'm looking at first round left tackle, second round defensive tackle, third round middle linebacker, fourth round. I I read somewhere they're supposed to get a comp pick for the fourth round. Have you heard um, that? I have not, but. Right. I have him taken right. in the fourth round another linebacker and a cornerback in the fifth round a running back in the sixth round safety and in the seventh round uh, tight end. Okay. Uh, I think that's that's what they should start. They should really, you know, start with as far as uh, you know, ideally, uh, you know, good players will be available when they are up to pick. But it's gonna be harder this year because they're picking a lot lower than they were last year. And last year they had a plethora of picks. You know, you really. Should, they should have seen more the first year out of this draft class. Yeah. Uh, but I wasn't crazy about it. I mean, outside of the first round, I was not impressed by this draft class. Yeah. Yeah, it was a up-and-down class. There were a few... I, I loved... At the time, I loved Jabril Cox. I didn't even... Odigizua, I was like... I was kind of lukewarm on. I kind of talked myself into him more as as it went went on, but... But I didn't. I didn't dislike that pick, um, and then I liked the receiver we took in the fifth round. I really liked that pick. Um, but yeah, those. Other than that, I wasn't wowed by anything. But outside of Parsons, um, I, I will. You know, I knew we wouldn't take him, but I really wanted Asante Samuel Jr. over uh, Kelvin Joseph, and and he played well for San Diego, uh, or. Los Angeles, the Chargers. Um, 
I'd say, so this kind of wraps up our, our breakdown of these of these drafts. One thing I, I think of like my evolution of evaluating drafts or preparing for drafts, and one thing that I think I'm, I'm taking more into account in recent years is how certain positions, how quickly certain positions translate into the NFL. Part of it is just straight up positional value. I think that was even, you know, many years ago, I think I, I don't even know if I recognize that so much with Ezekiel Elliott. I think that was part of it. Um, but also how, how quickly that position wears down compared to cornerback and how reliant it is on other positions. But, um, but yeah, something I, I think positional value is growing in importance, but also which positions, you know, are likely to immediately translate and which positions are likely to, to take a few years to to develop. And I think that's why, because offensive line is a position that typically, unless you're getting a guy who is, you know, a Zach Martin um, type of player, you got to build in a couple years for him to be, you know, ready to start and start at a high level. Um, Other positions like receiver, running back, um, I I think linebacker too are, are positions where if you find the right guy, they can start and contribute right away um cornerback is really the in cornerback is such a mixed bag like you, you get some i mean i think jordan lewis and and shadobi are, are the prime examples in my mind where both of them came out of the gates flying anthony brown too played well his rookie year and then they never really got back into the frame shadobi you know finally shows up in a new team with the Bengals playing as good as he had his rookie year but uh cornerback i think is a position that you just got to take keep taking shots on it and and i really don't love paying a lot of money to unless it's a jalen ramsey type of shutdown you know every season he's at least good i i think it's a position that you just got to i think having a good defensive coordinator helps produce more out of just any cornerbacks but also just taking consistent shots and and replenishing the talent um knowing that it's going to be an inconsistent position inherently um but yeah so i think that'll do it for uh for this week but uh but yeah thanks all for for tuning in for our uh breakdown of last six Cowboys drafts and uh, with that we will start uh, probably next week talking about some of the some of the 2022 draft prospects and also we'll start jumping into free agency talk but uh, but yeah thanks all for tuning in and uh, we'll be back next week for another episode of Cowboys chat with Shap until then <laughs>